are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. To interact with other followers of this podcast and who are reading along in the Mystical City of God, you can find the group, the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, over on Facebook, and there exchange conversations with one another. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as bold in as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 125. And we are reading from Volume 2, Book 3, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 283 to 293. Chapter 23. The good counsel and instruction which Most Holy Mary gave to St. Elizabeth at her request. St. John is circumcised and receives his name, and Zechariah prophesies. 283. After the birth of the precursor of the Christ... The return of Most Holy Mary was unavoidable, and although the prudent Elizabeth had found consolation in resigning herself to the divine will, she could not restrain her desire of securing for herself the good counsel and instruction of the Mother of Wisdom. Therefore she spoke to her and said, My mistress and mother of the Creator, I know that thou art preparing to leave me, and that I am to be deprived of thy loving intercourse, help, and protection. I beseech thee, my cousin, Furnish me with some good counsel, which will help me to conform all my actions to the greater pleasure of the Most High. In thy virginal womb thou bearest him, who is the corrector of the wise and the fountain of light. Wisdom 7.15 Through him thou canst communicate it to all. Let some of the rays which illumine thy pure soul fall upon thy servant, in order that I may be enlightened in the paths of justice until I arrive at the vision of the God of gods in Zion. Psalm 22.3 These words of St. Elizabeth moved the Most Holy Mary to tender compassion, and she spoke words that served her cousin as celestial guidance for the rest of her life. This, she said, would be of short duration, but the Most High would take care of her child, and she herself had prayed for him to the Almighty God. Although it is not possible to record all the sweet words of counsel which the Heavenly Lady spoke to St. Elizabeth before her departure, I will write down some of them as far as I have understood them, and as far as they can be reproduced by our insufficient language. Most Holy Mary said, My beloved cousin, the Lord has selected thee for the fulfillment of the most exalted mysteries. He has condescended to enlighten thee concerning them, and wishes that I should be open to thee in my heart. Thy name is written within it for the remembrance before his majesty I will not forget, and devoted kindness with which thou hast treated me 
the most useless of creatures. And from my holy Son and Lord, I hope that thou shalt receive a plentiful reward. 285. Keep thy mind and spirit fixed on high, and by the light of divine grace, preserve the vision of the unchangeable and infinite being of God, and the remembrance of his immense goodness, which moved him to create out of nothing all the intellectual creatures in order to bestow upon them his glory and his gifts of grace. The extreme mercy of the Most High in favoring us more than all other creatures with his knowledge and light ought to incite us to make up by our thankfulness for the blind ingratitude of mortals who are so far removed from acknowledging and praising their Creator. This shall be our task, that we keep our hearts free and unhindered in our advance toward the last end. Therefore, my beloved, I charge thee to keep it unhampered and unburdened of all earthly things, free from even such as pertain to thy possessions, in order that void of earthly hindrances may attend to the divine calls, hope in the coming of the Lord, Luke 12:36, so that when he arrives thou mayest answer his call joyfully, and not with convulsive violence at the thought of leaving thy body and all earthly things. Now, while it is time to suffer and earn the crown, let us gain merit, and hasten to be united intimately with our true and highest God. 286. As long as thy husband Zacharias lives, seek to love, serve, and obey him with special earnestness. Look upon thy miraculous child as a continual sacrifice to his creator in God, and for God thou canst love him as a mother, for he shall be a great prophet, and in the spirit of Elias he shall defend the honor of the Most High and exalt his name. My most holy son, who has chosen him for his precursor and for the harbinger of his coming, will favor him with the special gifts of his right hand, Matthew eleven nine, and make him great and wonderful among the nations, manifesting to the world his great sanctity. 287. See that the holy name of thy God and the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob be honored and reverenced by all thy house and family, Tobiah 4. Above all, be anxiously careful to relieve the needs of the poor as far as possible. Enrich them with the temporal goods so lavishly given to thee by God. Show a like generosity to the needy, knowing that these earthly goods are more theirs than yours. Since we are the children of the Heavenly Father to whom all things belong, it is not proper that the child of a rich father should live in superfluity while his brethren live in poverty and need. In this thou canst make thyself especially pleasing to the good of undying mercy. Continue in thy former practices and follow out thy plans of still greater charity, since Zechariah has given this work into thy hands. With his permission thou can be generous. Confirm thy hopes in all the tasks imposed upon thee by the Lord, and with thy fellow beings practice kindness, humility, and patience in the joy of thy soul. Although some of them will give thee occasion to increase thy crown of merit, bless God earnestly for having manifested to thee his exalted mysteries, and pray for the salvation of souls with unabated love and zeal. Pray also for me that his majesty may govern and guide me worthily to preserve the sacrament confided by his goodness to so lowly and poor a servant as I am. Send for my husband, in order that I may have his company while returning to Nazareth. In the meanwhile, prepare for the circumcision of thy child, and call him John, 
for this name was given to him, according to an unchangeable decree of the Most High. 288. These counsels of Most Holy Mary, together with other words of eternal life, produced in the heart of St. Elizabeth such divine affections that, for a time, she was lost in the exalted teachings and sentiments of these heavenly doctrines, and made mute by the force of the spiritual light infused into her. For the Lord, by means of the living words of his most pure mother, enlivened and renewed the heart of his servant. When the flow of her tears had moderated, she answered, My mistress and queen of the universe, speech fails me in alternate sorrow and consolation. Hear thou the words of my inmost heart, which my tongue cannot express. My affection shall witness what my lips leave unspoken. May the Lord, who is the enricher of our poverty, return to thee the favor thou showest me. I beseech thee, who art the fountain of all, my help and the source of all my blessings, to obtain for me the grace to fulfill the counsels and to bear the great sorrow of losing thy company. 289. Then they bespoke the arrangements for the circumcision of the child, for the time appointed by the law was approaching, complying with the custom observed among the Jews, especially the more distinguished. Many relatives and other acquaintances of the house of Zechariah began to gather in order to resolve upon the name to be given to the child. For in addition to the ordinary preparations and consultations concerning the name to be given to a son, the high position of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the news of the miraculous fecundity of the mother naturally suggested the existence of some great mystery to the minds of all their relatives. Zechariah was still dumb, and therefore it was necessary that St. Elizabeth should preside at this meeting. Over and above the high esteem which she inspired, she now exhibited such evident signs of the exalted renewal and sanctification of her soul, which resulted from the knowledge of the mysteries and from the intercourse with the Queen of Heaven, that all her relatives and friends noticed the change. For even in her countenance she exhibited a kind of effulgence, which made her mysteriously attractive and was a reflection of the divinity in whose presence she lived. 290. At this meeting was present also the heavenly lady Mary, for Elizabeth had earnestly besought her, and had even compelled her by a sort of reverent and humble command. The great lady obeyed, but she begged the Most High not to make known any of the great privileges, lest she draw upon herself the applause or veneration of others. The desire of the Most Humble among the humble was granted, and as the world persists in ignoring those who failed to use ostentation, Nobody took particular notice of her except St. Elizabeth, who looked upon her with outward and inward reverence, and who knew that on her depended the success of this consultation. As is recorded in the Gospel of St. Luke, some of those present in the meeting suggested that the infant be named after his father. But the prudent mother, seconded by the Most Holy Mary, said, My son must be named John. Her relatives objected that none of their family bore that name, for the names of illustrious forefathers were always held in great esteem and were preferred in order to incite their bearers to the imitation of ancestral virtues. St. Elizabeth again expressed herself to the effect that the child should be called John. 291. The relatives then appealed by signs to Zechariah, who, being unable to speak, asked for a pen and declared his will by writing upon the tablet, Johannes as Nomen Eus. John is his name. At the same time, Most Holy Mary, making use of her power over all nature, commanded the dumbness to leave him, his tongue to be loosened. At the moment had arrived when it would bless the Lord. 
At this heavenly command, he found himself freed from his affliction, and to the astonishment and fear of all present, he began to speak as narrated by the evangelist. What I say here is not adverse to the gospel narrative, for although it is there related that the angel foretold Zechariah that he should remain mute until his message should be fulfilled, yet God, when he reveals any decree of his will, absolutely unfailing as they are, does not always reveal the means or the manner of their fulfillment foreseen by him in his infinite foreknowledge. Thus, the archangel announced to Zechariah the punishment of his unbelief. But he did not tell him that he should be freed from it by the intercession of the Most Holy Mary, although this also had been foreseen and decreed. 292. Therefore, just as the voice of Our Lady Mary was instrument for the sanctification of the child, John and his mother, so her secret mandate and her intercession, and the effect of loosening the tongue of Zechariah, filling him with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of prophecy, Hence he broke forth in the words of Luke 1, 68, 79. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he hath visited and wrought the redemption of his people, and hath raised up a horn of salvation to us in the house of David his servant. And he hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets, who are from the beginning, salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all that hate us, to perform mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy testament, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, that he would grant to us, that being delivered from the hand of our enemies, we may serve him without fear, in holiness and justice before him all our days. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and to the remission of their sins. Through the bowels of the mercy of our God, in which the Orient from on high hath visited us, to enlighten them that sin in darkness and the shadow of death, and to direct our feet into the way of peace. 293. In the divine canticle of the Benedictus, Zechariah embodied all of the highest mysteries which the ancient prophets had foretold in a more profuse manner concerning the divinity, humanity, and redemption of Christ. And in these few words he embraces many great sacraments. He also understood them by the grace and light which filled his spirit and which raised him up in the sight of all that had come to attend the circumcision of his son. For all of them were witnesses to the solving of his tongue and to the divine prophecies. I will hardly be able to give an explanation of the deep meaning of these prophecies, such as they had in mind of that of the holy priest. This concludes our reading today for day number 125. Today we read from volume 2, book 3, chapter 23. We read paragraphs 283 through 293. If you're familiar with the Gospel of St. Luke, especially the very early parts of it, well, we are seeing it played out, and we're getting a little extra details. For example, we heard that Elizabeth knew that her life would be short, but the Most High would take care of her child, and she herself had prayed for him to the Almighty. So, Elizabeth, even Zechariah, we know his life is going to be short as well. As long as thy husband Zechariah lives, seek to love, serve, and obey him with special earnestness. Look upon the miraculous child as a continual sacrifice to his creator. And there are customs or traditions in Jerusalem about the death of Zechariah, about the death of Elizabeth, about what Elizabeth does with the child uh, during the Holy Innocence Massacre. 
And so for me, as we hear this reading today and know about the shortness, the brevity of their life, I'm hoping that Maria of Agreda is going to tell us about the passing of Zechariah and about the passing of Elizabeth, just as we heard about the death of Anne and Jochum. Again, I'm reading this blindly every day as I release these episodes. I'm encountering most of these texts for the very first time. Unless it focuses on a rosary mystery, I have not read these texts. And so I haven't read uh, this section that we heard today. We heard also the exhortation to take care of the poor, that really there is an obligation to that. Jesus, yes, I know, says in the Gospels, the poor will always have with you. But above all, we're told, be anxiously careful to relieve the needs of the poor as far as is possible. Enrich them with temporal goods so lavishly given to thee by thy God. Show a like generosity to the needy, knowing that these earthly goods are more theirs than yours since we are children of the Heavenly Father to whom all things belong. A generosity. It's always an invitation. A simple gift of canned food to a pantry, helping someone who is in need. Maybe you recall, and we were reminded this today, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, if you have a great familiarity with the beginning of Luke, you probably remember this, but maybe you didn't remember that Zechariah was struck dumb, that he couldn't speak. But when John the Baptist is born, he takes the tablet and says that John is his name. Kind of funny. Maria Vagrida says he wrote Johannes es nomen eus. I don't think Zechariah would have written in Latin. But nevertheless, John is his name. That is what we hear from the sacred scriptures. And also... You know, sometimes I think maybe when someone has a child and you ask them, well, what name have you given to your child? I ask that at baptisms. What name have you given to your child? And you wonder, well, how did you come up with that name? Is it a family name? Right now, we see kind of a return to some of the older names, Vivian, for example. And so you wonder if the return to these old names, well, were they a part of your family history and you're recovering them, bringing them back? There's significance in that name because it is the name by which we are known to Almighty God, that God knows our names and he cares for us and loves us just as he knew the name of John the Baptist. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God, I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.